Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Game Changers, brought to you by Watch Your Game. In this series, I aim to explore the minds of people working in the Web3 gaming industry. Today, we're talking with Mustafa Salim, Head of Gaming Research at Pokestar Gaming. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hi all, today I'm joined by Moss from PGG. Could you give us a Hello. quick introduction to your backstory? What got you into Web3 and into PGG? Okay, um, so my backstory in gaming before PGG, um, I started off in gaming in general um, around 16 years old when I entered gaming journalism. Um, the same kind of passion that got me into Web3 was the thing that got me into gaming in general. I used to play tons of games. Uh, my father pushed me to kind of... I used to read a lot of PC Gamer, used to read a lot of gaming media outlets, and he pushed me to write a review with my broken English and send it to media publications for the chance of potentially writing about games. Fast forward six, seven years later, I was writing for major gaming media outlets. I wrote for... Game Ranks, Dual Shockers, Esports.gg, a bunch of others as well. Esports.gg was like nominated for um, the Game Awards. I used to interview LCS, LEC, Valorant players, all of these. Um, during that time as well, I was doing a lot of um, media campaigns and a lot of the gaming campaigns um, in the Middle East and internationally as well. Um, I did campaigns, gaming campaigns with, I basically have the contacts for all of the gaming YouTubers in the Middle East. So I did campaigns with Activision, Ubisoft, Razer, SteelSeries, Kaspersky, Norton, KFC Gaming, um, tons of Epic Games, of course, Riot Games, all of these people. Um, what got me into Web3 is basically in May 2021... I, I actually knew about blockchain from university in like 2019, 2020 as a technology, not as tokens or anything. And I was instantly intrigued by how would this fit into gaming. In May 21, May 21, I got into the market in general. Around October, I wanted to work in the industry. And I saw an opportunity. I joined um, initially... I joined GameStarter, and then I joined, in April, I joined forces with Omar um, to basically, um, Starter Gaming was formed in December 2021, and I joined in April. Um, and yeah, I joined as the head of gaming research. So you've got quite a varied history there, um, yes. at, across yes. the gaming media. And yes. now what you're doing with Pokestarter Gaming. How do those two differentiate and how have you found that experience different? Okay, so what I used to do, we used to do um, a lot of campaigns. So I used to do two things, campaigns and journalism, right? Journalism is very similar to what I do now because the main content on our platform is news, reviews, guides, um, game pages, and content in general. So I think that experience transitioned very smoothly and actually gave me tons, like it, it gives us in general, Spoka Starter Gaming, a lot of credibility because we're not 
like we're not doing journalism newly. It's something that I've done for years. I've learned from the best people in the space. Giuseppe Nelva was one of the best gaming journalism writers, and I used to um, learn a lot from all of my editors as well. So the journalism part is still there, and actually that experience transitioned very smoothly. The second part of it was, which is like campaigns and handling influencers and handling major campaigns, campaigns with like 250k budget that I need to get like um, major streamers, streamers with like 10k, 15k, 25k CCV for campaigns and all of that and handling that budget for a monthly ROI and all of these. It gives you a different um, outlook on the industry. And it gives us as well, um, from my field, from my position, experience in terms of how we handle potential, let's say, I don't want to call them clients because we actually don't, no one has paid us anything from the games we have listed, but just a general, a, a, like a more under, a better understanding of the market, basically, of the gaming industry overall. Because I've seen it from both sides. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's kind of key to bringing what Pokestarter Gaming on the website claims about giving those true, honest reviews. Kind of dipping yep. into the website itself as the cornerstone of what you're building. It's called yep. Gamers, uh, Game Reviews by Gamers. What yeah. have you played most in your life in terms of games? Okay, so when I was younger, um, I only had a PC. It was not actually a PC, it was a laptop. Um, so I didn't play much online games at the time. I was a very single player boy um, till I got my PS4. So I played the typical answer, I played FIFA and League the most. League, of course, because it was on PC. And then once I got PS4, I have like a minimum 1,000 hours on FIFA. And League as well is, is disgusting. But um, if you want to see the most game I have played on in, in my lifetime as a franchise, it would probably be Assassin's Creed. But the good old Assassin's Creed. Like I played 1, 2, Brotherhood 3, Black Flag, um, Revelations as well is my favorite. So in terms of the franchise or the games I enjoyed the most growing up is Assassin's Creed. And I remember this very, very, very vividly. When I was in grade six, um, on the last day of exams, I got back home, finished my exams, first day of vacation. I speed ran Assassin's Creed 1 from start to finish in one day. Fucking like 17 hours or 18 hours of gameplay, just straight gameplay. No sleep, just literally just speed ran the entire game um because it really captivated me the entire thing now they just since they killed desmond miles it's a completely different game now it's a completely different franchise but yeah the the game i enjoyed the most growing up is definitely assassin's creed as a franchise overall and you listed quite a few quality games there i think that anyone will kind of resonate with with the sort of selection that's coming out within the web3 space now it yeah. varies drastically how good Very. a project can be Very. how do you kind of quality check 
projects before putting them onto the website? Okay, so it's it's a bunch of criteria. Now, people would think if you're a game from the outside, um, and we get these DMs a lot, how we can be listed on our platform, how can we list be listed on, on GG, how do we get a game page, and so on. Um, we have a selection right now on the platform of 150 plus games. All of them were hand-selected by us. There is a process that we do internally. It's, it's a mixture of criteria, right? So, number one, it's a Web3 gaming discovery platform that we always want to... If a traditional gamer discovers our platform by accident, and he clicks on any of the 150 games, and he goes to play it, we want them to, to actually like it and eventually become a member of the Web3 Gaming like, world, right? So our job is to list quality games that actually help in that transition. Now, um, one thing that we noticed very early on is, um, without naming any names, but like the other... Other Web3 gaming platforms, discovery platforms that you have, when you go on there, um, two things we noticed immediately is that the list of games you have on there are probably skewed towards maybe um, partners or the best performing game ROI-wise or token-wise and so on. And number two is that the reviews on there are user-driven. Um, so that, from the beginning was kind of, again, one of the things that we don't take into account at all. So how do we select projects on the platform? It depends on the organic search volume. So we use like organic tools a lot, organic analytics on SEMrush and all of these. Um, we have eyes everywhere um, on Twitter and everything. Trust me, I literally have eyes on every, almost, I can confidently say, it's very difficult that you're a game, Web3 game out there, and I haven't heard of you. Um, connections and partners that we have. Um, Magic Eden as well, because we're their official content partner, so we always have um, that line of communication, even with upcoming games and all of that. So that's one of the games that get listed on our platform. And number five is just if you're a quality game that looks good, you have good potential, you have good gameplay out there, um, you will be listed on our platform eventually. It's just a matter of time working through the entire backlog that we have, that's all. But we list around 25 to 30 games a month, minimum. I think that's really interesting, and it sounds like the catalog's growing nicely. You yeah. mentioned a few different sources that are kind of used as part of the process. When you're looking at games, as well as the reviews and who's actually going on there, how important is it to use data? Because there can be quite a lot of fluff in the space at the moment. So you need to be able to look through that to get to something concrete. So how is data important to what you're doing? So considering my position as just, it, it's, it's, it's a name that I made up, by the way, going into Book of Other Game. I chose the title. Um, so it's not like it was assigned to me or anything like, but, Data in general is important whenever you need to analyze everything. If you need to analyze 
the performance of a game, the performance of a person, the performance of your own platform. Um, I like I said mentioned before, you need to use Google Analytics. You need to I use Google Analytics daily. I use Semrush daily. Um, we're always monitoring our performance and our data on the platform and data in general. Even when we evaluate a game, um, some threads that you see on Twitter were like. Um, let's dissect X game and then you dive in and it's like this game has 100k followers on Twitter and the Twitter is very active that's not evaluating a game that's not actual data that you measure a game by Um, because you need to dive deeper than that when you dive deeper and you actually grab the people's name, grab the studio's name throw it onto Google see the results that pop up dive deeper into that, take the results that you get from that and pop it in again into Google and go deeper and deeper. You get you get to process that data into information because some games like I'll I'll again without naming names, but like one game that you can take its name and put it onto Google, you will find that it has rebranded four times so far and they were on Kickstarter like four years ago. With a different name, and then they rebranded again, then they rebranded again, then they rebranded again. Um, some people, you would, if you look them up, you would find suspicious histories as well. Um, other games, if you look them up, you would find maybe that they haven't released anything for years, or like they have existed for years and they haven't released anything. So, why would they suddenly release now just because they switched to a free? So again, it's just about not taking information that is fed to you for granted. You take it, process it, and you actually verify if it's true or not. I think that's a key thing for anyone to be considering, regardless of whether they're trying to put any content out just for their own peace of mind. I think people yep. need to get better at looking at data in that way. Yep. Um, you mentioned a few challenges that kind of a player might face as they're looking through. And these are some of the things that kind of red flags to you as you're doing your quality control. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge right now facing the space? Separating price and product. Um, a lot of the games, in Web3 in general, I think, not even games alone. Um, Web3 in general right now suffers a lot from market price action. Um, the number of users grows significantly when the numbers go up, and the number of users grow, like decreases drastically when the numbers go down. Product and price needs to be completely separated. Uh, price here, not I mean the price of the product, but like the, the price action in the market, like Bitcoin price and all of these, um, because eventually, you want to look at Web3 as a technology. It's a tool. You want to look at Web3 as non-fungible tokens, not pictures. It's the actual technology of making an asset non-fungible. And number two is blockchain, which is verifying a user's action and being able to have that action visible to anyone who wants to verify it themselves, right? So... 
sadly, right now, we're not at that stage because if you compare it to how we work or how we interact with everything in our daily life, that separation has already that separation is already normal in Web2, not Web2, in our daily lives. You have tons of, you have, you own tons of products in your home, right? Let's say you own an, you own an iPhone, you own an, an, an iPod, and you own AirPods, right? You have these three products. 99.9% of users or owners of that product have no clue what Apple's stock price is. And you shouldn't care about what that, their stock price is. Um, sadly, that's not the case in Web3. Um, eventually, these two things have to decouple. Not sure when, but it's something that's hurting Web3 overall as a product, and it's hurting games specifically, because sometimes it draws the wrong attention to the game. One of the games um, that fell victim to that is... Um, Satan Arena, for example, in they, their game is very, very enjoyable. It's a very, very easy to hop into game. One of the first Web3 games to be um, on iOS and Android and being available to download on, on mobile devices and playable and very enjoyable and all of that. Using NFTs, using Web3, using all of these things. And um, they were a victim of their own token because the token went up drastically and it it drew in the wrong audience and when the token price went down the number of players went down with it so the biggest challenge in my opinion is completely decoupling price and product in web3 and eventually it has to happen no i think you make a really good point there and i can think of a few other examples where the incentives within the tokens itself brought in more people than maybe the game genre or the game style can kind of handle and had they not had that artificial inflation of player base their organic growth probably still would have looked good but now that they've had such a high all-time high anything else just looks really bad that's that's the issue because like i said you own you own apple products at home you own different products from different companies at home you never look at their stock price, right? You don't, you don't really care. It's not, it's not in your interest at that point. But the issue is Web3 kind of drew that weird illusion that when you buy a token, you're an investor in that company and you need to care about the roadmap and what they're doing and what they're going to put out and all of these. Like, I, I, if you, you own an iPhone, do I keep up with Apple's news and... Do I get scared if they do like a bad review because I won't be able to resell my iPhone? It doesn't work that way, right? Um, so it's it's just about yeah, just games, games and games specifically need to decouple from the market even prior to normal products. No, I definitely agree, and I, I think that eventually we will see games decouple probably first from the rest of web3 and then maybe oh, from their yeah. tokens to their actual game itself just yeah. how long it takes you know um kind of going along that same sort of line you've given a few tips already of what people should be considering do you have anything that people in the space should keep at the forefront while they're looking for games 
And do you think this is a slightly different view for people who are players compared to those who are actually building the games? Oh, again, if you can, if you can repeat that. Yeah. So you mentioned a few bits there to do with what people should be considering as they're drifting around in the Web3 space. Is there anything that people should keep to the forefront of their mind while they're in the space? And is it different for if they're a player compared to if they're someone who's building a game? So if if you're a player, um, there's not really much to be scared of. Just try not to, like, because in, you're in Web3, all of these things, so just try to protect your assets, try to not connect to anything, try to not get scammed by any weird links, try to not interact with any weird people. Um, that any Some games even are wallet drainers and all of that, so just be careful with what you interact with, always do like burners and all of that. As a player, there's not really much that you need to be worried of, just because they're games. Like, when you, when you when you browse Steam, you don't really get scared of a certain game over another. Just be protective of your assets. If if you don't be emotional as well, like if you play a game and you like it really well and you see that they have a token on the market, don't suddenly become a maxi of that token and put your life savings into it because you enjoy the game because others might not. So just keep, keep that in mind as well um, from a financial standpoint. But as a builder, it's one thing I would recommend is don't judge people from I don't know how to say it from from their cover. Um, the people you interact with on your first entry to Web three, um, always try to ask around what other people think of them. So you get a good understanding of where they stand within the like within within Web three. Web three is a very very small circle. Um, news travel very fast. People know each other. Everyone knows each other. Um, everyone knows each other's views. Everyone knows like what each is up to and what they have done in the past. And if you're entering Web three newly. You kind of need to interact with people, a lot of people, before you start forming opinions. Um, just because the people that you might see might have done things in the past that is, or are doing things now that are completely opposite of their personality in the past or what they used to support in the past. Um, and you wouldn't know that unless someone told you or um, like, yeah, I think I think that's that's probably it. That's probably the main thing. Just interact with enough people that you get a good understanding of where are the good people, where are the bad people, where are the grifters, where are the people who are just genuinely there to enjoy the ride and see where this all goes, basically. No, I think that's two good points. Uh, safety around what you're doing for players is always something that needs to be mentioned. Because people yeah. just, there's too much out there currently of people trying to take advantage, whether it's through mm. a genuine scam or just overselling something that isn't yeah. really going to deliver. 
as a normie you fall for that so that's the thing so just don't don't like my first entry into web3 was ben armstrong so that's that that explains it like the mainstream view of the space is completely different than when you get into it or you get deeper into it or you get involved in the in 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 the entire like twitter like not twitter like crypto world so um the normie world is completely different you need to kind of dig deeper and see and and then i think the advice for builders around maybe the first voice or the loudest voice isn't the voice that you should be listening to is definitely see something you see projects struggling with a little bit as they try and identify who's their audience kind of who's their genuine audience as well so that they can get feedback for the game rather than just people um hyping them up to get something out of the project only to vanish when it comes to actually building yeah yeah what are you excited for in the next three to six months within the space? Interesting. Okay, so I'll split this answer into two. Internally, at Polkastars of Gaming, and externally. Internally, we have tons of new features um, that are going to roll out within the next three to six months that we always say, like, internally, we always say that Eventually, we want polkastarser.gg to be literally like your bookmark it, and that is everything you need from Web3 Gaming in one place. Quests, game guides, news, reviews, events, um, the Game Awards show at the end of every year, everything, a marketplace, everything, literally everything, um, gaming passports, all you need. So... All of these features are being worked on and is going to be released and I'm very, very confident that we're doing things in a way that no one is doing and at a quality that no one else is at at the moment. You don't need to be number one or you don't need to claim to be number one. You just need to be work and build it and they will come and then everything, everything else speaks for itself. Um, externally, three to six months from now, which is what now is end of April, so like six months from now is around what October, November. I honestly believe before the end of this year, within the next six months, we will see at least one mainstream game, Web 2 game, that comes into Web 3 from a major publisher. Either it's Activision or Ubisoft or, or Square Enix and so on. Square Enix is probably going to be the closest. But I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens when any one of these companies even throws a filler fodder IP into Web3. Literally a dead IP that they don't care about anymore. Just throw it into Web3 and see how it goes as an experiment. Um... Because these companies, they have the experience in user acquisition. They have the experience in all of this. Sometimes, even though they're not Web3 native, they have the understanding of how to simplify a process enough to be appealing um, to the normal user. Because one thing that people, I think, always, always overlook in Web3 gaming, we, have, we are still to yet appeal to 
children or people under the age of 14, for example. These people are fucking like they make the majority of of gamers, right? Um, or they make the majority anything under like any any teenager, any child, any whatever. Like one of the questions you asked in the beginning is, "What games did you play growing up?" Uh, even if I was a child now growing up, I wouldn't touch a Web3 game because there's so many steps, bro. The first thing you'd see is, here is a wallet. You own everything on it. If you lose everything, there's no one to call. Bro, that's fucking scary, bro. Like, like, why do you tell me this at like 12? or what's, I, I don't understand this at all. So one thing that I know these companies do better than at the moment at least from my eyes, from my perspective, from any Web3 native company is user onboarding. And Reddit Reddit is a very live example of that. They completely simplified the process of NFTs to digital collectibles. We've seen PlayStation patenting a lot of Web3 related technology. We've seen Square Enix very being very vocal about being involved in Web3 and NFTs. And they have Symbogenesis, Symbiogenesis coming up as well. Um, Ubisoft have tried, they kind of backtracked it a bit, but they're still involved in the space with the likes of Ultra and the Watcher game as well and all of these. So, yeah, that's something I'm definitely excited to see within six months. At least one major publisher entering the space very, like, prominently, like, very obviously involved in the space. Now, I think what's coming from Pokestar sounds really exciting. And we'll definitely have to put a pin in this in six months to come back and see if your prediction's right. And then you can claim that you called it. Um, we'll just keep pushing the podcast. So you've always got that six-month window 100%. for it to come through. Um, in the space, you do see quite often there's people working a traditional job but yeah. kind of doing extra bits within Web3 itself. And there's always people saying, oh, I want to get involved, I want to start joining. Maybe I, one day I'll go full-time. As someone who is working full-time within Web3, do you have any tips for anyone who is looking to make that switch? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a leap of faith. It's, it's, a, it's still a risk. I like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's still a risk, just because your entry into Web three is probably not going to be in a secure place. A lot of projects are um, running short on runway. A lot of projects get hacked. A lot of projects lose their funds. Um, a lot of projects misuse their funds or misplace their funds. Some some founders leave their entire treasury in a hot wallet or on on. <laughs> Or on a or on an exchange that they lost all their money in, or so. So like everything can happen, especially in Web three. So if you're going to do Web three full time, um, try to always have backups. At the moment, if someone is trying to enter Web three newly, I actually would recommend continue doing what you're doing in the normal life. And do Web3 part-time if you're passionate about it. And from there, if it, if it materializes into something that you believe in, that, can, that is consistent, that is secure, and you feel like the place you're in is secure enough to make the jump, then make the jump. 
um, don't make the jump immediately. That's that's like being very very honest here as well. No, I think that's really good advice, and hopefully people take it on board because there are a lot of risks, and we do see money just drying up all of a sudden. Um, people kind of scrambling to find where they're going to next. I'd just like to say it's been great chatting to you. It's been definitely great getting your insight and your history to see kind of how you're putting that into what you're building. Where would be the best place for people to keep up to date with what Moss is up to? <laughs> um, Twitter. But don't expect any worth. <laughs> don't expect any, any Web3 gaming content. What you're going to get out of me is three things. You're going to get um, um, pretty women pictures on your timeline because I like it. Like I like a lot of pictures, <laughs> so you're going to get a lot of um, a lot of pretty women pictures on your timeline. So at least I'm going to give you that portion of your timeline um, refined, so the algo is going to work in your favor. That's if if I if if, if you're a man, not sure if, if you're a, if you're a female, <laughs> you're like that one. So, <laughs> so you can skip that part if you don't like it. Um, number two, you're going to get a lot of football tweets, actual football, not American football. Um, everything from Premier League, League A, Champions League, Europa League, all of these, I watch everything. Um, and you're going to maybe, maybe, maybe get like an odd Web3 gaming tweet here at the <laughs> Maybe like a thread a month or something. So, um, yeah, uh, but I, I usually don't do a lot of Web3 gaming content. Of course, I... I hype up a lot of our announcements and so on from Podcast Starter Gaming. Um, contractually agreed to, so I can't, I can't not do it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I don't usually do a lot of Web three gaming content. It's I don't know. It's not it's not my style. But yeah, that's definitely the best place to follow you, follow me, and even reach out to me if if you're ever interested in just having a chat or whatever. So Twitter for good general bits of moss. I will add in definitely worth following the news feed on Pokestarter because we get a lot of your ideas and what you're seeing in the market through the different news articles that you're putting out yep. as well. Yep, yep. But no, thanks again. I know you're really busy, so I really appreciate you taking this time to come and talk to me. Hopefully we see that your prediction comes true and we see a big player come into the market and I hope everyone has found it useful, all the challenges, risks, and things to keep in mind that you've mentioned today. Hopefully. And I'm sure I'll chat to you in a bit, maybe even play some more games. Perfect. Really enjoying this. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye now. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more insights into the world of Web3 Gaming. And if you need to experience more Web3 Gaming content, search for Gaspo WD on all content platforms. See you next time.